0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Tara here. This week's episode of the podcast is a little bit different. Uh, A weird week in the NBA, and also there was some personal stuff that uh, we had to get through this week. So normally when we record an episode of the podcast, Dan and I talk a bunch before we record. We get caught up on what happened in the week. We talk about what we're going to talk about. Um, And then when we're ready to go, you know, we hit record. This week, because there was just so much stuff going on, a lot of emotional things were happening, we just kind of started talking. And uh, so we never got around to really introducing the episode. So I'm doing that now. I'm going to drop in and include this right at the beginning. We do talk about Dan putting his dog down. We talk about Kobe dying. Some pretty heavy things. If that's not your thing or you're not ready to listen to that, then, you know, go ahead and fast forward because we got a lot of really great talk about Damian Lillard's stellar week, about Gary Trent coming on strong, about Hassan Whiteside, about Anthony Simons, lots of good regular Blazer talk. But before we got there, we needed to talk about some of the hard stuff, too. So I think what we want you to take away is for this week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Spend a little bit of extra time, maybe with your family. Stop and smell the roses. You know, all those things that major events kind of stop and make you think about every once in a while. That's what happened to us this week, anyway. Anyway, we'll be back with a regular episode next week. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, hello, hello. hello. How you doing?
1: I'm okay. How you doing?
0: Um, I'm doing just fine. Um, I thought about you a lot this weekend, though. Thank you. You must have been a tough one. Uh, Yeah,
1: to say the least. Um, This is going to sound really corny, but I thought it was really cool that so many people reached out after I posted about having to put Nova down.
0: Well, sure.
1: And... uh, I got to the arena last night and people that I didn't know that work in like game ops and stuff like that were coming up to me and saying, sorry.
0: Oh,
1: and, yeah. uh, on a night like that in the NBA to s- still have people care like that was, was really cool. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing that, uh, I mean, it's a big, it's a big extended family, mm-hmm. and even though like social media can be super toxic, it can also uh, serve uh, just what's needed mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. And so, like, we got to be thankful about that when that happens, you know, because we focus a lot on the bad, icky things, and sometimes it's there for you when you didn't know you needed it. Yeah. So it's kind of maybe the theme of the weekend. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it is. It's uh, it's been a lot. Yeah, that's it. that's for sure. I was, for my own selfish reasons, I was uh, I was looking forward to basketball yesterday as being kind of a reprieve.
0: Right. And
1: obviously, it wasn't.
0: Probably didn't feel like that.
1: No. Um, and again, from my own selfish point of view. Like the idea that I was going to have to go on TV and talk about mm-hmm. somebody who dies in such a fashion and with their 13 year old child, like, am, am I equipped to do that?
0: Mm-hmm. So, how did it go? I
1: kept it together. Yeah. For the most part, mm-hmm. I, I lost it at the very end. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, when I started doing this, I, I never considered. Not what you signed up for. <laughs> I, I never considered I would be doing something like yeah. that last night. I mean, like I thought the worst that it would possibly be was the night Nurk broke his leg.
0: Yeah.
1: Like that was that was hard to, to do that last night. I can't imagine. Like Mike Breen, have, have you heard the clip of him calling the the Nets next game?
0: No, no. Oh,
1: he can't keep it together.
0: No, I imagine. I mean, all over the place people probably couldn't keep it together
1: or anybody associated with LA Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and with Kobe, like, and and I'm not trying to dismiss the, the obviously bad parts Mm -hmm. of his life, but that's not what you do when someone dies tragically in the immediacy of it. So
0: suddenly and unexpected. I think it was, I think part of it was just the total shock yeah, this is a this is a Roberto Clemente princess die. Nobody thought he was ever gonna die. No, I mean
1: he, <laughs> guys, people like that are are you know they're immortal until they're gone. And yes. somebody told me that earlier today that the only the only MVPs in NBA history that are no longer with us are Moses Malone, Wilt Chamberlain, and Kobe Bryant. Wow. Every other NBA, NBA MVP is alive still.
0: Wow, really? That's a that's amazing. I, I, I choked up when I heard that. Huh? Well, there's only like, ever been what four thousand or so people who've ever played. Yeah, but like you start thinking about
1: it, you're like, Jesus Christ! Bill Russell's still alive. Kareem's still alive. Magic Johnson, despite what the numbers say, is still alive. Like and you' just you're just sitting there just like good God are you kidding me And like you said like the, the the suddenness and the immediacy of and it's so messed up I was talking to somebody about this probably like a week ago not not necessarily a sports figure just like I was it was it was, it was Tori and I and we we're talking about when was the last time somebody who had like a global reach was taken away? I can't remember what sparked that conversation, but I was just like, it has been a really long time since like Muhammad Ali passed. But I mean, we all knew that was coming. Like you could you could see that one coming. And I'm not I'm not to say that, you know, like the Los Angeles Angels, they lost Tyler Skaggs to a, to an O.D. Um, this past year. But he he's a major league baseball player, but he's not a global icon. It doesn't have to be sports. It could be music with somebody like Selena or Michael Jackson. You know,
0: it's just people who cross multiple um, not, intersections. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. race, color, creed,
1: religion, faith, belief, whatever you want to call it. The it's it's crazy when they when they're taken.
0: Yeah. My son, who could care less about basketball, uh, works for New Seasons, and he said that uh, you know everybody in the deli, like all found out all at once, and they were all just like standing there, and I was Shop. like, "Does anybody? Does anybody there care about basketball?" And he was like, "No, none, none of us care about basketball at all, but we all knew who he was, and we all knew who they all knew that it was a really." big deal even though none of them really could care less about you know the lakers or the blazers or the nba i mean that's what a big impact it was or that's how that's how you know cross i mean cross, not general you didn't, well, yeah you, you know didn't what I mean to,
1: you didn't have to you didn't have to be a sports fan to know who kobe bryant was yeah. right and that's the first time i've used the past tense really out loud and it just sounds weird. Yeah. To know who Kobe Bryant was. Was. Yeah. And not is. Like, I did it without hesitation. hmm It's so weird. Yeah. Like, I, 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 like, I hated Kobe. <laughs> I hated Kobe. I never, never, never expected to feel the way I did when I read what happened. So I... Because Saturday was such a rough day, I uh, I slept in Sunday morning. And uh, I got up at probably about 10, 15 or so. And uh, I do what I always do, kind of get up, stretch. And I looked at my phone. I was on silent because I didn't want my damn alarm to wake me up. And I've got like 50 text messages. Oh, wow. And, and they, they're all within the last like 30 seconds.
0: Right. So I'm like, all immediate. Okay. And I'm like,
1: what is, what is going on? What, like, so I like, and all of them are just like, what the bleep is this real? This can't be real. This has to be fake. And I'm just like, what, what is, whoa, 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 what's going on? And I, I open my phone and I scroll up and it's more the same. No, 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 no. This can't be real. This has got to be fake. And Did you even know
0: what it was? No.
1: It took me probably like 30 seconds of like putting it all together to figure out exactly what it was. And I scroll up and then I see TMZ, Kobe Bryant dead in helicopter crash. And my heart, my stomach, my my soul just like fell out of me. Mm Mm-hmm. Because like I had already I, I, Saturday, I had spent the entire day crying more than I had ever cried in my entire life
0: mm-hmm.
1: after putting my dog down, and like I'm, emotionally, I'm I'm spent, I'm empty, I'm done. And then to have that, it was like I did not expect that to hit me in that fashion, and it was it was it quite literally felt like somebody had just doubled me over with a punch to the gut and i'm like what and this can't be real and, and this is going to sound really stupid but then i looked back down on my phone and saw it was tmz and i was like it's real
0: oh you know what i mean like right i mean then you go so, <laughs> the same thing happened to me and i was like and how did i ever get to a place where i'm trusting that tmz is breaking news that was yeah. the other thing that i was like ah oh.
1: yeah and and then it's it's the you know it's the fog of war you know, it's, it's a rush for information. I have never refreshed my phone more than I did yesterday. And I'm just like, what, what is happening? What is going on? Like, like it was is Kobe flying the thing. Like, is this normal for him? Like how often they do this? Who's on there? And then we get the, the wrong report that is all of his kids are with him. And I, I almost puke. And then we get confirmation that Gianna's on the, on the helicopter. And that's that's when it was that was that was it that was the breaking point for me. Like for all the things that we can say about Kobe and the history, and I'm not skipping over that stuff. It's just that that relationship it stands out so much. It's so strong, especially what we've seen publicly over the last couple months, and the fact as a father and daughter, 13 years old, like it. It was too much to handle.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Already, well, you were already raw and yeah, spent.
1: No, uh, I was, I was done already. And then you, mm-hmm. you see that in such an unexpected fashion. It's it, it doesn't make it any better or any worse. Like if she hadn't been a part of that, but like, if Kobe had been in a one, you know, a, a two car accident where where those that becomes a problem. You know, and he had passed that way and it was just him It it's a little bit easier to comprehend right? A helicopter accident with his daughter and seven other people including other children and parents mm-hmm. in the most random of circumstances, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and a, a flight that they've taken many, many times I mean, they talk about, you know Kobe talked about using a helicopter because it allowed him to spend more time with his family because he didn't have to spend so much time in traffic my husband on our way home we were talking about it and he wondered if he said i wonder how much vanessa hated that helicopter and i i was i didn't i was thinking about like i wonder if like it had just become a normal thing you know for them that you know, I mean, because you think about, you know, people who fly planes all the time, like it's still the safest way to travel. Now, I don't know if helicopters are or not, but like that's that was their mode of transportation. It just the sheer randomness that somebody who is so well known could just be plucked out of life and just be gone. Um, like, it just, it, yeah, it was just shocking. I just I I couldn't get over the shock of just it happening. And when you brought up Princess Diana, it, it, it reminded me of that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But like in the social media world, because when I saw it.
1: Oh, God, I can't I even imagine what that ha- what that would have been like during social media.
0: Right. Well, and it's sort of been brought up in the news lately because of Harry and Meghan and, mm-hmm. you know, his reaction to like every time he hears a, um, you know, a shutter click. Um, But like, I remember I got the news, like I got a text from a friend of mine. I was up on the island. So I was like away from civilization. And I got a text from a friend of mine. And it was like immediately after it had happened. Like, I don't even know how she like, by the by the she had a link to basically like the live feed from TMZ. And like, Mm -hmm. they were still showing the wreckage or whatever. Um, And I was like, how could they? How could they know who this is that fast? Like, how could they be breaking this news so fast while people are still circling and arriving on the scene?
1: They pay a lot of money.
0: That was just shocking to me. Like how fast it was all breaking, and then of course there was all the confusion with the news, and yeah, it was just it was just uh, bad news. Um, the but the thing that I thought was so like. My my thing with Kobe Bryant was that, of course, I didn't like him. I was a Portland Trailblazer fan. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I couldn't see Kobe. You know, he – like I loved – I got into the game because I loved the players and I followed the players. And Kobe was somebody who made the players that I loved miserable every time he came to <laughs> town or every time they went down there. So, of course, I didn't like – I, I – I was not as into the game itself, so I understand people who have this you know love hate relationship with him because they love watching him play basketball, but maybe they didn't like what he did to the team. um and so like I feel like I have this big gap because I never appreciated his basketball as much as I should have because I was so mad at him all the time. But what that means though, is that he was a great villain. he was like. Like in the best kind of way, you know, he was the the guy who was, he was the greatest foil because when your guys did do really well against him, it was like, oh, we did. And even like after he was 20 years in the league and he was falling apart and you beat Kobe, it was like, yes. And, you know, I just, I wish that I had appreciated his game more and not watched it through my hands with my fingers that's pretty much how I watched him play <laughs> um, because I feel like i I missed out. But, you know, I guess that's what highlights are for. But at the same time, he was such a good foil for the guys that I did really love watching.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is I was struggling how to put it into words yesterday. And ultimately what I came up with was he's he was my villain. He He was my heel. He was the central actor, the 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 main opponent of my formative years as a Blazers fan. This is a man who took an NBA Finals appearance away from me when I was sixteen. And I I, I will remember that game and that moment and how I felt when he lobbed that to Shaq until I hit the grave. I, I think I've told this story before where my dad and I were watching the game in the living room and we'd just gotten a big screen TV and, you know, it was for the playoffs because we knew it was this big run, got this great deal on it. So we had a couple people over and this is like, this is literally turn of the century internet, right? So the Blazers are up, I think, 13 at the time. And I looked at my dad I'm like, I'm going to go start up the internet. I'm going to see <laughs> if I can find tickets. Okay.
0: I'll be back in 45 minutes. Quite literally.
1: Yeah. I was like, I, so I go in the, in the computer room, you know, back then and
0: put it on the modem dial.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) And I finally get, you know, AOL up and running and I come back in to watch the game. And as I leave it there for a second and now the Blazers, I think they're up 15 when I come back and, uh, it goes to a long commercial break for a timeout. And I'm like, I'm gonna go see if I can find tickets. And Ticketmaster was one of like the very first websites ever, like to have a, a you know e-commerce. And I remember loading up that website and trying to track down Finals tickets. And my dad's like, Listen, things are going well with the company. If they get this done, if they're not like, I have to mortgage the house price, we can go watch a game. And I like. Even now, like my heart just like fills with so much pride, even knowing what happened. And that like the idea that my dad and I were going to go watch the Blazers in the NBA finals. And then that play happens. And I remember him taking that from me. And I remember crying the worst ugly sports tears of all time because I was so – in. I mean, I was 16. Like I'm invested in that. And it was – Gut wrenching, and I hated that man forever for it. But as much as I hated him, and people have heard me talk about how much I dislike Russell Westbrook or Patrick Beverly or you know, th- those kind of guys, those guys don't hold a candlestick to the amount of respect that I had for Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, and that dude. As much as I hated him, the one the the, the shining moment that's always going to stand out for me when it comes to him on the basketball court is his last time in Portland when he got booed in the starting lineups, and he just cracks this big smile, smile like, "Good, good. That's how I want you to remember me, Portland. I want to be your villain." He applauded the crowd. Yeah. And then the, the, the then the Kobe sucks chant broke out, and he smiled even in that big devilish grin of his just a little bit more, and he's like, "You guys get it, you guys, <laughs> you guys get how this was supposed to be," and and that's the indelible image I have in my head of him, and to know that that's gone and is nothing more than a memory is a really weird feeling.
0: Yeah, that's a good lasting image. Of Kobe. I think it's uh, actually the player. What, what he was. Yeah.
1: As far as the player. Yeah. Especially like the evolution of his career.
0: hmm Yeah. He had to figure a lot of stuff out along the way. I'm in the middle of reading a book about uh, – it's about him and uh, – it's about like the end of Kobe versus the transition into the LeBron era and the Lakers and the Celtics. It's just like a ton of stuff going on but – I've been in the middle of reading like this Kobe section when all of this happened. So it was kind of like he was definitely on my mind. Uh, But, you know, what about Kobe as a retired player? Because I really was surprised to find myself – Really kind of enjoying Kobe, the creator, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I, I think that he did such a good job of being an example to other. I mean, we know how revered he is amongst players in the league, and we'll talk about that in a second, but. The example of him having a life after basketball. I seriously thought Kobe was not going to have a life after basketball. Like I and that- go like like the route of Michael Jordan. Right, I thought that was. I thought he yeah. was going to just disappear because basketball was everything. But he showed us that even as he was. Leaving and you know departing the league, he was getting ready for the next phase, and the next phase was all about creation, and some of the stuff was wack wacky. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, like the muse cage thing. I got so much. You mileage. you were wrapped up in the. Muse I, loved stuff. I the that. muse cage because it just fascinated me that he thought that like teaching little children how to channel rage was like the way to go. But like he figured, like he's like he continued to be interested in how to uh, inspire kids and make things interesting for kids and tell stories that children would relate to. And I think you've kind of figured out that maybe like helping them tap into their darkest, you know, you know, reach in and try to find the dark. You're like, okay, maybe, maybe we'll back off on that a little bit. But the idea was that, you know, you, you take, um, you do something constructive with the energy that you generate just as a human as somebody who's excited about something as someone who's playing hard as someone who's working hard as someone who's striving you generate a lot of energy and the idea is to channel that into a positive outcome and it may look ugly because you may be mad because you're frustrated and you're struggling but you you channel that into you know into something constructive and positive so i appreciate that but yeah the muse cage boy i i did that was about when we first started the podcast was when mm-hmm. Kobe came. Out with yeah. His cage.
1: Yeah, I remember how how into that you were, and I was like, this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> but well, no, like his his post-career stuff, like like you said, I I, I don't think anybody really saw that coming and I, I can't really speak on it nor speak to it, but how much he's tried to dedicate himself to his family, to his daughters. Um, to advancing even women's sports. And I know that gets into a gray area, um, with his history, but when we, when we go after people so much for things that they do that are wrong, that are bad, we we want them to be better in their life. Right. I, I think that no matter where you sit, um, you have to at least look at it and go, he's trying to be better and now you don't have to forgive him you don't have to forget you don't you you, you can certainly acknowledge and shout from the rooftops of things that he did wrong um but at the same time for all the people that i've ever seen do things wrong i mean like I, I think the the most apt one here for me is like mike vick and in, in, in dog fighting and now being a you know a champion for for animal rights and stuff like that um i, I at least like to see people well, even if it's fake Fake it real well, you know.
0: <laughs> well, you know, any yes, there are parts of Kobe's life that uh, that are dark, and there's things that he's done in in the past or allegedly did in the past. Or there are victim. There are people. There are people who are victims. Yep. Uh, that is that is for sure. And for them, right now, it's got to be super hard. Um, you know, seeing him in in the news like that. But like you said, he he seemed to have um, been trying to make a difference to uh, a lot of people. Like he was trying to make a difference to the WNBA. He was trying to help the WNBA be successful. I don't think there's a bigger advocate or there was a bigger advocate than Kelby. And, and like, you know, a lot of people had conflicted feelings about that. And that's like, like we have to, we have to be okay with the fact that we're going to have conflicting. Yeah because we're human and like our emotions are not black and white they're like a really messy uh swirl and maybe some you know maybe some people have no problems you know compartmentalizing separating or or whatever but i think the vast majority of us are like pretty puzzled about how to think about some of the things that have happened and some of but with the wmba like that is a uh that's something where there are still people who will get on the internet who will just, like, say horrible things about the athletes in the WNBA for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was doing what he could to make that not be cool. <laughs> for, yeah. the, for the people who still think it's cool to do that, he was doing everything that he could to help people understand that that – the you know, the WNBA is here to stay and it's cool and get on board. And if you're not on board, stay out of – stay out of it
1: everything else yeah and that, it's just another layer to his legacy it's it doesn't define it it's not the the central point it's just another layer and it's, i think it's something that none of us saw coming and it kind of makes the story the uh, difficult's not the right word it's it just makes the story that much more and i think that much more is, is the the way to describe it because it, it could be more difficult it could be more beautiful it could be more troublesome it could it could be so much more depending on your point of view
0: mm-hmm. so one of the other things that's been really touching uh is all the, how all the players and former players just you know people have been reacting and talking about what you know what he meant to them and i mean the league right now is full of players who grew up with him as their hero as the guy who they wanted to be like who are wearing his shoes um And and in different levels yeah
1: i think that that's the important thing to talk about here when we're talking about the players right now the difference between lebron james carmelo anthony his contemporaries and nasir little and anthony simons the guys who grew up As kids, like kid kids, in Pete Kobe era, like there's, I think there's a difference between those those two groups. You know what I mean? Mm There 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 are guys that certainly, you know, it's. I think it's a lot like a young guard right now in a high school who's a junior or senior looking at Damian Lillard, who's going to be in the NBA in a couple years, but Dame won't be in his prime anymore. But right now, they're molding their game after Damian Lillard. That's what I think you saw some of the the guys that you saw you know like 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 Anthony uh, I'm gonna use him a lot because Anthony has a pretty direct tie to Kobe. He, he, he modeled how he his game and how he plays after Kobe. He wore the number 24 um, last year for Kobe. He wears Kobe's shoes like he is a he is a direct line Kobe guy like yeah that is that is that is his dude. I, I I talked to him yesterday about it, and like, it's that's I think different than the Carmellos and hell the Trevor Ariza's who know Kobe the guy and not just the basketball player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I I said this last night on the show. I don't think Carmelo should have played last night. He he clearly wasn't in the mindset, and he said post game it you know he probably shouldn't have played. Um, But he said that, you know, um, Kobe probably would have wanted him to play.
0: I mean, weren't we all thinking that that's exactly what Kobe would have wanted? I think most people kind of had that feeling. There
1: there was certainly a a vocal and probably close to close to. Probably 50, 50 if they are being honest, group of people who thought it was one way or the other for either shut it all down or play it all. Mm-hmm. And I I just I don't know if there's a right answer. Right. I uh, don't
0: I mean I think if 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 they didn't feel like playing and they didn't want to play, then that's fine. Like Kyrie
1: got to got to uh MSG and and was like, nah, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. He and he did like
0: totally fine.
1: Exactly. And and Melo had if Mello and Ariza both last night were like, nah, I'm not good. I I I wouldn't have batted an eye. I would would right. not have any player. If, if I don't give I don't give a crap if you're a fifteenth guy. If if you said nah I'm not good right now, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I mean, tonight Harden's not gonna play. I don't believe Russ is gonna play. Uh Chris Paul is out tonight. Like there are guys and we still haven't heard from Braun. Like they're there the 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 upper echelon. Yeah, the the upper echelon guys in the league. We we haven't heard from those guys yet, save maybe Dame. Giannis has deleted his entirety of his social media presence. Hmm. Like this is this is hitting this group of guys to the core. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I just I guess I and I'm not saying that they should have played or shouldn't have played. I'm just my immediate thought was like Kobe would be like whispering to them (laughs) in their ears, like, you know, get out there and play this. You, you go, go on, go on. You know, you have to go on. You have to go on just because he was such a fierce competitor. I like can't, can't see him, you know, ever turning it off. And I was watching some, uh, some conversations online between players who are recalling Kobe stories. Did you see the one from Lou Williams about, one time in Portland, they got crushed in Portland. And so Kobe went through the locker room and grabbed all the guys who were wearing Kobe's and threw them in the trash and said they didn't deserve to wear them.
1: <laughs> That's great. I had not heard that one. The one that I love is later in his career when he told all of his own teammates they weren't good enough to practice with him and he left. <laughs> like that, that was the one that always was just like, y'all are washed. You're not good enough to be on the floor with me. I'm out. Just, yeah. Like I'll- that.
0: I'll find the Kobe one about port. Cause it's, cause it was so great. Cause it was in Portland. We're like, yes. <laughs> no, I mean,
1: and Kobe had it. Kobe and Phil Jackson had a hell of a time in Portland. Like uh-huh. their, their, their record in Portland. It's like the only asterisk like dark Mark on Kobe's career and Phil Jackson's. They came up here in the crappy weather and a day at the employee store just seemed to ruin those guys, this mindset. And they just, <laughs> They came out and knew when they were going to get punked. And it, it's still to me the one of the weirdest things.
0: How different do you think it would be if this was a league where guys didn't grow up together? I mean, because, you know, you always hear, and I don't know how much it's true, but you hear the kind of the schism between the old guard and the young guard and how the mm-hmm. old guard, nobody was friends. Now the young guys, they're all friends now. Like how, how different do you think it would be, or do you think it would be any different? I just Kobe was kind of like bridge that. between that gap, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and we were we were actually talking about this before the show last night. In that, I I miss the Kobe's the world that hated his opponent, and I, I see a little bit of that, that coming back in the league now. Yeah, um, but do, they it's hate like, him on that the, call, court. the court.
0: I don't know that they yeah. do. I mean, because now we're we're finding out about all these. You know, he had all these close ties and relationships with guys all over the league, even when he was playing against him.
1: Yeah, but the, but on the court, he wanted to destroy that man. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think there's a ton of guys in the league left that that really have that kind of instinct. I think Dame is close to that. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Paul is definitely on that list. Um, I think Devin Booker might be on that huh. list. That's like a guy that just.
0: That's out of the blue.
1: Ky, <laughs> Ky, 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 Kyrie is definitely on, on that list. Kyrie's on a lot of lists, though. Yeah. Um,
0: He's a. Complex. It's a lot of weird lists. He's a very um, complex player.
1: Yeah. He's a very complex uh, man. But but I don't see a ton of guys in the league really that have that. You know, I want to kill you on the court, killer instinct. Like, don't get me wrong. Those guys, that, Giannis. Giannis is the one. Giannis is the one that wants to eviscerate you. He's the closest. I don't know why I I glossed over him. Giannis is is the closest mindset to his work ethic, his development, his commitment, the hours he puts in, um, and wanting to eviscerate you. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you could have a league full of those guys. But you, you need to have a handful, I think, to kind of – to keep that mentality going. And I think that's what kind of people were – I don't know if necessarily complaining about, but we're definitely talking about over the last few years about how everybody's too buddy-buddy with each other. And I think as you've seen the rise of Giannis, um, I think that that's kind of been helpful in that regard. Hmm. But yeah, don't get me wrong. Kobe off the court – and this is where Kobe, quote-unquote, got it, right? Where – I'm kind of responsible for this generation and the next. And so he made himself available to, to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, to Devin Booker, to Kyrie Irving, to Damian Lillard.
0: Rodney uh, Hood over the summer.
1: To Rodney Hood, yeah. And Dame talked about it last night in postgame where he said, "Go," said, you know, I, I, I'm here if you need me. And, and Dame general answer was he was kind of bummed out that he didn't take better advantage of that mm. he, he worked with him he talked to him but he felt like he didn't want to bother him you know like I know I know this guy says it it's okay but how many people I mean it's Kobe Bryant how many people are pulling his arm to try to get a piece of him
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so the other guys you know they try to give him some room give him some respect I mean the guy took a helicopter place to save time so he could spend more time with his family so clearly he's a busy man
0: mm-hmm yeah, but he still managed to, to carve out time. Exactly. So we should probably move on. Yeah. I think I think that I mean covers Kobe the, the basketball player at least, right? Yeah. Um, I mean I'm sure thoughts will continue to crop up. The Blazers are gonna be playing uh them the Lakers the first time back. Yeah, I um, that's pretty fitting, right? So yeah.
1: The guy who Kobe tormented the most. Or the team I should say Kobe Tormented the Most is the first team to step into Staples like- after his passing.
0: Yeah. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Oh, that'll be that an all eyes
1: kind of, you know. Yeah. And, and it's in LA. So like if, if there was ever a time where I wish I would I was traveling with the team, this is that night.
0: Yeah. To, that's see, cool. to see how that's it gonna all be unfold so hard. This this is gonna be so hard for all those LA fans.
1: Oh, the emotion in there's gonna be crazy and, and, and we're talking about the whole idea of canceling not canceling games mm-hmm. canceling a Clippers Lakers game makes sense mm-hmm. like that's an easily reschedulable game mm-hmm. and for everybody else who was mad about the NBA and I did talk to a few people around the league about this the logistics necessary to cancel a slate of eight games
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially when you have teams like San Antonio in Toronto Indiana in Portland mm-hmm. that's that's like a nightmare hellscape that you just want to avoid at all costs. And really the only times those kind of things happen are, uh, I believe, what was it? The Boston bombing, the Boston marathon bombing. And before that was the JFK assassination. Hmm. So we're talking. Yeah. Quite literally global events
0: that. Right. That are a matter of national security. life Life and death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But are you so okay, we're ready to ready to move on and talk about Damian Lord's Incredible Week?
1: And that's listen, that that's the thing that I how do I say this without sounding like a like a jerk? I'm bummed that the best five game performance and it, it pales in comparison to losing somebody, obviously legendary status, but for Dame we're seeing right now this version of Damian Lord, and I, I know I say this all the time. I don't know how he's going to find another gear and okay. all that crap. Right? I have
0: a theory on that. This, this is insane. I have a theory on that. I think he's had this extra gear this entire time, and he has been on purpose not using it. I think he's had overdrive waiting this whole time, and he's never needed to use it because that wasn't the kind of thing that the team needed. Like, But at this point, he's like... I just gotta, I just gotta come out and do it all, and that's just what it is right now because we are so thin and we're we can't figure it out right now. I've got guys who are still out who aren't back yet. I'm just gonna do everything. Like I just, I really think, that, because when you look at the pattern that he always follows, he's quiet in the first half because he's always getting everybody involved, figuring out who's got the hot hand, who's got who's got it going on, so that he can you know, play the rest of the game knowing who's knowing what their strengths are on that night. And Mm -hmm. these last five games, he's just come straight out and started scoring. Like no hesitation. He's just like, I'm in this every night. And I am I I think he's had this ability all along. And I don't think it's new. I think he's just decided to use it at this point.
1: I, I I don't think you're wrong. But I think there's a an even bigger Gear that he's found like this, the one that he's had the last week is, is insane Tara.
0: Well, he's definitely on a hot streak.
1: (laughs) The shots like these, the, even the ones he's missed, there was a, there was a play last night where he had two running out. And I think it was the end of the third quarter and he took like a step back leaning fall away. Three with two guys running at him that looked to be about the same For spot like that he, the Paul like, like the Paul George shot, yeah. but on a like a more difficult version of that, and he puts it probably twenty five feet in the air. I mean, it's just skying. I was sitting there watching it, like, holy crap, that's going in, and it hits the back of the rim by, by like half an inch. You could tell by the way he was bouncing and leaning back and kind of had his head cocked back. He thought it was good. Like, that's the kind of groove that he's in right now. Like, literally everything he puts up right now feels good. The last five, he's shooting 52 from the field, 51 from three, 88 from the free throw line. And he's doing this, I think his, his true shooting percentage is like 63 or 64%. Like, what he is doing right now is insane. And I think the best way that I can put it is when he got to 50 last night, I looked at Joe and I said, does it feel like he has 50? Like, it didn't feel like he's, you know, pounding the air out of the ball or forcing shots. Like, every shot he took last night felt like it was within the flow of the offense. Like, when 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 you're watching that game, Terry, did you feel like he was dominating the ball?
0: No, I just felt like every single thing that went out of his hands was going in. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I saw several moments last night where there was a lot of ball movement, and I've actually seen that in the last couple of games, and I keep going to look at the number of passes the Trailblazers have, and it keeps being less and less every time I look at it, but it looks like they're moving it more. I don't understand what's going on. It's not about
1: quantity. It's about quality of passes, and a lot of that has to do with the floor spacing and guys not stopping the ball. So the Blazers have had time off. So they're feeling a little bit better. They're feeling a little bit more bounce in their step. They're a little bit healthier in that regard. They've had some recovery, but along with it, they've had some practice at practice before the game, the day before the game, uh, coach Stotts told them no more than two dribbles. Oh, and with that, they had to move the ball. Mm -hmm. And so the ball movement was encouraged a bit more. Um, you can
0: a, Some of those where I think just about every player on. Touch the ball. Yeah. touched the ball, like over the half. And it wasn't even like that. They were just like jostling it to getting it to Damien so that he could bring it up. It was like, as they were lined up on that three point line, they were passing it around.
1: Yeah, no. And here, here's the thing. I saw a lot of people like, well, Risa and Mello having great shooters. I'm like, eh, I don't think that's necessarily the, the function of what's happening right now. I think that, the biggest change right now, and I don't I don't know what has spurred it, is that there's a little bit more unselfishness. Not a lot, but it's starting with Damian Lillard, not just passing the ball around the outside, but driving to the rim and getting a lot of action early in the shot clock going towards him. A lot of the defense collapsing out on him and him making some of the most precise and on-time passes of his entire career. Um there were a couple plays last night that made me jump. Just just on the pass. Not what came out of the pass, just the pass alone. The one touch uh skip pass that he had um that Ariza kicked back to him that, that went back to the far side corner to I believe it was mellow um was incredible. The inch perfect pass that caught Sabonis on his heels and the lob to Whiteside. The behind the back wrap pass to Whiteside on the cut.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, two, that, two behind the back passes yeah. last night.
1: He had he that one. He had another behind the back. No, look, uh, I, I want to say that one was to Gary. I think it was. I'm trying to remember. There's another one, though, where he drove the lane and Whiteside was one of the few times Whiteside dove hard early in the game with him uh-huh. and Whiteside kind of ran into him. It it took away the lane, but Dame didn't care. He jumped up, drew the defender close to him, whips around, and lets the pass go before he finally before he fully clears. And it's right-handed, one-handed over his left shoulder, back where he came from, where CJ McCollum had relocated to for a wide open three. Like we're, we're talking like Steve Nash, savant level knowledge and execution, and Chris Paul. Like you just have this extrasensory skill to know where everybody is. When, when did you see Damian Lillard make a pass last night where you're like, oh, that was kind of a a rough pass. No, it it was just, it was where it needed to be when it needed to be there at the, like at the absolute perfect time. And I think that that's hard to replicate unless you're one of those guys. But I think that Dame was just, and has been for this last week, been in a passing groove.
0: Mm -hmm. I, I, I would agree with that, but I do also think that he's just decided that he's going to be, you know, I just I feel I have that I have that that much faith in him in that like he's the last few years he's watched Harden and he's watched Russ and their triple doubles and they're averaging their triple doubles. I've just convinced myself that he is on purpose, not gotten a triple double because he's not going to get a triple double until it's in the game that he wants it to be in. <laughs> I'm just convinced that he's he, like, Nope.
1: He's 60 point game. He, he could have had one had guys knock down shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's how good he was in that game.
0: But, yeah. But I just feel like he's watched these other guys And watch them and and he like he doesn't want to have a narrative be built around him, you know, in that that he's getting triple doubles, but his team isn't winning. And so I just feel like lately, though, he's been like, you know what, if we're going to get through this, I have to do all of this right now. Um, But I've actually felt over the last week and a half, what? <laughs> what happened? You just made me
1: think of like his his how much he's doing, how much more he's doing. Uh on the season he's averaging under 14 drives a game. Over his last 5 games he's averaging 21.
0: Right. He's just like I have He's to just do
1: putting this for his head day. down and well, going.
0: Well, not having CJ for 3 games was a big deal, I yeah. think. And
1: Melo th- did take a lot more shots in his absence.
0: Melo did take some more shots. Uh, Gary Trent actually. Gary took it too. Yeah. He has. I want to talk about him in a minute. Hmm? But to to to, to the truth, for me, watching those some of those games, and I was shocked to find this. But watching some of those games, sometimes all I saw was just him and Whiteside, like. Mm-hmm running it together. And it was just like, okay, it's, it's going to be me and you Hassan for now until everybody, everybody else gets in the groove. And, uh, I feel like Hassan Whiteside for the past couple of weeks has, been playing really well. There were a couple like rumbles that he w- that looked like positively Nurkic like the way that he just like went cruising down the lane. I think it helps a yeah. lot because Damien is so far away and people are so far out guarding him that he has more room to do that. But give him credit, man. He's been finishing. He had a did an excellent job on the offensive boards the last couple of games uh, where he's getting those tip ins where sometimes maybe he w- wouldn't have been. Are up there for them he would have been trying to do something else and wouldn't have been available to get that so I feel like he has whiteside has gotten to a, a place where he knows his role he knows how to play with Damien um and maybe some of these other guys are starting to figure it out more I don't know what do you think
1: uh I would say particularly as it pertains to Hassan Hassan was the most Physical, I've ever seen him at the rim as a trailblazer last night.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's what it, you're right. It was I. I didn't know what it was until you just said that. It was because he was physical. He was he, everything he, over people. He, he,
1: he was dunked on everybody. Way. Yeah. He he. And which is is kind of funny because I don't I don't know if that was something that he brought on himself or it was a, a matter of playing against Sabonis. Um, I. <laughs> Funny little story. I quite literally ran face first into uh, baby Sabonis last oh, night really? in, in the tunnel. I turned the corner out of the media room and, and didn't look right, which is that goes out towards the floor. I looked back over my shoulder because somebody had said my name and I planted my face right into his the middle of his chest. Oh, God. And I bounced like off of him. Like Damien
0: Lillard and Taj Gibson. Yeah, and I bounced <laughs> off of him. And I'm like.
1: My first was like, who the hell is big enough that I'm bouncing off of? And then
0: you're like, oh, and then I look
1: around, and look up, and I see a beard. And I'm like, why is there a beard above my head? And that man is as solid a human being. As <laughs> you can as confirm. And I was just like, God dang, this kid is strong. But uh, watching him and how physical he is, he reminds me a ton of like a, a, a Svelter Nurk. Um, I mean, his performance last night was incredible, by yeah. the way.
0: Uh, double,
1: triple, double. yeah, God, he's good. Well, we're uh, we're talking
0: about white side. No, I to say,
1: I think, I think maybe this is, this is just me kind of throwing it out there. I, I think playing against Sabonis because he's so physical, because he's so aggressive. Um, there, there was a play in there. Was it Hassan or was it Biggie that drew the charge on? It was Hassan, I think, that drew the charge on Sabonis, um, where he lowered his shoulder and ran somebody over. Like it was there was a no doubt, it was a message sending kind of get the hell out of my way, foul. And I think Hassan may have kind of fed off that. Um just just the aggression that, that not just that Sabonis plays with, but that that Pacer team, they they embody their coach. They embody Nate up a ton at how physical and they, how they get after you. And I think Hassan kind of responded to the challenge. And there was a couple times where he threw McDermott off him like a rag doll. Uh, he got in a, in a couple positional fights with Jakar Sampson and with Sabonis. And I was like, this is the most physically I've seen. Cause for anybody who doesn't know, like I know guys in the NBA look big. Hassan's in that, Super heavyweight class. He's up there with Myers. He's up there with Andre Drummond. He is up there with Boban. Like he is up there with the biggest, strongest dudes in the league. But I don't think we typically associate Hassan Whiteside with a guy that inflicts and uses his size and strength in that same manner, right?
0: At least not lately. Like maybe that's what he was doing in 2015-16 when he was earning that contract. Because he was – Dunking and slamming all over everybody that season.
1: Yeah. And then really this year, I haven't seen a lot of that. And maybe that's him trying to get used to a new, a new team, new teammates, a new system, new city uh, in, the, in an unsettled situation. Maybe he's playing through a couple of injuries we don't know about. Whatever it is, it hadn't really been there. And then last night, it was dunk dunked and not just like and we've seen him a couple weeks ago where he had games where he had plenty of dunks in it where he just kind of pushes it over the rim the, th- the kind of thing we used to get pissed at LaMarcus Aldridge for right like, oh, throw it down stop just a ball in the hoop man and Hassan he just kept yamming on dudes over over again with and, and listen like I know people kind of get you know whatever about after basic celebrations I want my big guy when he dunks on a team to flex to talk about junk i want my big man to do that like that's that's your tone setter that's that that's your guy and i think the he fed off like the the ball moot and stuff and and the way cj kind of gets going on his little crossovers his hezzies his little pull-up jumpers i think Whiteside fed off the the good looks obviously the dame was getting him but getting those dunks and found himself in a groove and kept building on it and building on it and building on it and we saw him play probably the most comp, not confident, most comfortable mm-hmm. and confident version yeah. of Hassan I've seen this season.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's beyond just that, that one game though. I think it's been the last, maybe like five or six games it where, is, you know, the they're call- giving him the ball to like do a little playmaking. And I'm like, I don't want him to be like a playmaking center, but I do want to know that there are times when he's going to get the ball and he's going to be able to create something for somebody else. And You know they do that. That's one of the things that like they'll do it early in the game. Is they'll give it to him on the post and be like, "Okay, run, run your run your thing," (laughs) you know, to to get him that taste of it for the game. But I really I think that he's he's settled in. And you got to think how hard because the lineup has changed so many times, and it's been him and Damien that have been the only ones. There, right since the beginning. Well, I guess CJ he was in and out a little bit, but I mean Did, they, the Blazers have had
1: Eighteen. Uh, Joe's kept track of this, and I'm I'm nearly certain he said last night when we started the show that, that that was the Blazers' 18th different starting lineup last night.
0: Hey, so what do you think about how Reese is fitting in?
1: Uh, it's too soon to tell, really, but uh, just the fact that he's a pros pro in the sense of he just knows what to do. Uh-huh. I, the the one thing I will I will we give him say about
0: mellow <laughs> or that's what uh, we do say
1: about mellow <laughs> it's it's knowing when to make the right play and not only knowing it but doing it um there was a there were two different opportunities like Marisa only had 7 points last night and i'm i'm not knocking his performance i'm just saying like there's a difference between what we saw for the first game when he went nuts and had 21 and what we saw last night but i think the contributions were still very good in the sense that He, there was, there's two different plays that happened last night on both offensively where, um, the ball was reversed to him and he had a, he had a good look, but he didn't hesitate on it. He didn't like try to draw the defense a little bit further out or attack the baseline. And, you know, I'm going to get mine kind of moment. He, even though it was a good look, he passed that up immediately for a better look to CJ and CJ can the three. And there was another play where he had a better look and Uh, he knew the defense was collapsing out on him even further this time. It was a real hard closeout and kind of out of control. He just little side dribble and then attacked. But it was just – he had seen that play so many times and it's played out so many times in his career. It it was just muscle memory. It was just automatic. Yeah, and it's like – I think – and this isn't a shot at at Baysmore. I think Bays was in such a hurry to please everybody because he had a poor performance to start the season that even he was questioning what he was doing at times. Mm -hmm. And he found himself in situations that aren't necessarily optimal for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Or he's trying to prove that, Hey, you know, you you made the right investment in me. Mm -hmm. And that, that just kind of, it made things worse. It compounded the errors. Yeah. Yeah. Where, Ariz is not overthinking a damn thing. Again, right. it's only been two games, but it just it's seamless because he's played for so many teams, because he's played in so many, you know, different styles. It's he he only knows five plays, but has it looked like he's, he's
0: been, done them with every different combination of four yeah, other players so he can exactly. make it work with whoever. And well, does
1: it look like he's out of position? Does it look like he's mucking things up? No, he he just kind of knows what to do.
0: Okay, so you know what it looks like to me and I think I want to know what your reaction to this is. I was watching it on like a standard definition TV mm-hmm. in a bar. So I like, couldn't really see it very well. Art suite, yeah. So as I was watching it, I thought, and maybe it's like the way his socks fit or like how his shorts fit or whatever. But when I glanced up at him, he looks a lot like Al Camino to me. I know he's playing a different yeah, position. No, I, I know he's I, playing the three, not the four, but do you think that, what do you think of that?
1: I mean, realistically, that's what he is. He's a more graceful, better ball-handling, sharper decision-making Al Farouk Aminu.
0: Excuse me.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, like, I, I I don't mean that as, like, a, a shot at Al. Like, I just he, – he's he's a more fluid athlete who's got a better handle. I don't know necessarily that he's – How about
0: this? He's a less chaotic.
1: That's probably uh, that's probably Al- a, 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 terror, a terrorism to, to describe uh, Riza to Aminu. But, like – if you mean, if you're looking for a guy that kind of fits that mold, yeah, and it makes sense.
0: Yeah, he looked – I mean, to me, it looked absolutely natural. Uh, I, he looked absolutely natural to me, and he looked like something that – like what he was doing with stuff that Damien was used to, and like the, yeah. those guys are are used to it. And like you said, it's only two games, but I liked, I liked what I saw, and, you know – Chief could have nights like that where he could go off for 21 or then he would go score six. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think if he can play, what do you, what do you, I mean, again, to small sample size, but what did you think of his defense? Because the Blazers aren't playing a ton of defense. They aren't playing any
1: defense. And that's the thing, like right now, like I, 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 when This season started before all the injuries. Remember, I was always like, I'm gonna give it till like you know, probably mid December before yeah. I really evaluate this team and see yeah. where things are at with all really the broke. injuries and with all now, now ch- trades and, ch- and changes in the lineup, and probably more coming. I'm just sitting here like, eh, listen, man, you skip, you keep scoring a buck 30 a night, and we, we'll talk about it later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll just like, keep
1: <laughs> like
0: I, I, because if that's what it, they need to win. Because
1: that's the thing, is like. Uh, if I look at this team right now and you want me to like fairly evaluate this team, I'm going to be like, they need to score a buck 20 every night. Legitimately. At least. And le- unless, unless a team's not, unless a team is not scoring. Like they're just having an off night. Like the, the magic game, like when the magic, what were they were like two of like 13 to two or 17, whatever it was to start the game. And I was like, Ooh, like you could just sleepwalk through this game and you're getting a W. But if they're playing a normal team, like I, I don't want to take anything away from the performance last night. But the Pacers are missing Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, and Miles Turner. And for all of the, the Blazers are missing players too, crowd, this is like if you took Dame, CJ, and Nurkic off the team and you were left with, you know, Collins and Hood. Like that, then I'm not trying to take shots at those guys here, but that's a vastly different story than what you're getting in what the Pacers are missing. So, I think
0: saying it's a vastly different story is a little bit of an exaggeration. I mean, have you looked at what Brogdon's been doing for that team this year? Uh-uh. He's incredible, right? It, it's, but I, I mean, I I I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's that much of a difference. I think it's still super significant that the Blazers are without their key players, oh, no, 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 and they no. have brand new players who they're trying to work in.
1: I, I don't get. Th- I, I don't. I don't say that too much either but it's just i for me to wholly evaluate this it's kind of like ah Mm -hmm. i want to enjoy the uh, i I, like i said i i gave up quote unquote on this season as far as wins and losses i just want to enjoy certain things and for me right now enjoying what damian lillard is doing is is objective number one. Like it's it's been unreal to watch him do what he's done for the past week. If I wanted to be really critical and just like sap all that fun out of that, I could go. Let's take a look at the Blazers' defense over the last okay, week. Okay,
0: stop. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> you talk know, Barry Trent Junior.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: I uh, I'm loving him this year, and like I don't know how sustainable it is, but like. When I watch him out on the floor, even defensively, like, he's sticking to his guy. Like, he has given it all. And, you know, this is year two... So, I mean, do you think that he's farther along? I mean, I know circumstances have thrust him into the lineup and he's getting a lot more. But Mm -hmm. it seems to me like he is really taking advantage of that and really accelerating his progression. I'm not sure I've seen that much progress from Anthony Simons. And I know that you're going to probably throw things at me if you have them. You're you're (laughs) okay. Right now, I'm I'm liking what I'm – I'm more – I believe the Anthony is going to be the future, (laughs) but currently as where we are right now, I'm seeing more immediate uh, usefulness coming from Gary Trent Jr.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. And with Gary, and you and I talked about this when the Blazers drafted Gary, when when they took him, I said, he's going to be in the league for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it's because he can shoot the lights out. Like He shot 45% from three in college. And he wasn't a guy who had his toes on the line in college. He's a guy who was prepping for the NBA and was taking a lot of NBA range threes. So you knew right away that the shooting was going to translate at some point. Like the, as great as the as shooters there are in college. A perfect example, Trey Young. Trey Young was an absolute train wreck the first two thirds of the season last year. As a shooter, I mean, abysmal. And he in college, he was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, it started to click and come together. And just it takes time to get used to closeouts, length, speed, travel, uh, media obligations, all that stuff that goes with it. And everybody's like, well, you're you've, if you can do this, you can do this. No, it takes time to translate. And I think Gary, for him, it's translating. As we saw the other night, what he goes six of seven from three? And the only one he he missed was the one he shot up at the kind of last second just because, you know, he wanted to get one up. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh, yeah. When he's 85 percent from three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, Dallas.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- the guy's a shooter. I mean, with CJ out, the Dame has definitely taken over more ball control duties. And this isn't to take away from what Gary's done offensively in particular. But I think where his and what the Blazers have done without CJ in those games is that. Gary has gotten, but teams are focusing on Dame like there's no tomorrow. And with that, Gary's ability to work as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter has been mana from heaven for the Blazers. Because that, when a team overloads so much and overcommits the Dame so much on the ball side, that weak side becomes Gary world.
0: Have you looked at no. Gary Trent's um, assist numbers over the last, like, Twenty or so games, like the no, last twenty, last ten, 20. I, I, I the last 10 last games, 10. I think he hasn't had a game where he hasn't had at least one assist. He had yeah. three against Indiana.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and then, I, I think that's the the. Excuse me. Sorry, I had to sneeze there real quick. Zoom tight. Uh, yeah, um, I think where you have to find the. The shiny parts, right? Like the, the things that you're you're happy to see are the developments that you didn't really see coming. And I'll I'll go on Gary, and then I'll go on Anthony real quick, as far as like, oh, okay. Then
0: we uh, gotta get to the questions.
1: Yeah, but Gary, the additional secondary playmaking, and I don't think it's real playmaking in the sense of, uh, you know, a Damian Lillard type or a traditional point guard type or a. Um, mm-hmm tertiary playmaker even like uh or secondary playmaker like Yusuf Nurkic, but more in the vein of CJ McCollum where like yeah no if you overcommit and you overhelp and there's a somebody who's definitely within my you know my purview or my my window right here of of playmaking then I'm going to make the play and that that's that's a good thing to have because the Blazers don't have a ton of those guys so I definitely like seeing that from him when it comes to Anthony, his shot creation is still there. And the shot making is the problem right now. And like, I watch this kid before every, every game, like what he does in warmups is insane. So I, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I just feel like it's a confidence issue and he just needs mm-hmm. to figure something out.
0: We just have to be patient.
1: Yeah. And I, I genuinely, if I've had a bunch of people over the last week, like, is, is it time to bail on Anthony? No, no folks. It's not time to bail on the 20, 20 year old. Like, Just stop. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But what has been kind of an eye opener to me is how effortlessly he gets to the rim, Mm -hmm. like like the shot, the shot creating, we knew as far as like getting his jumper off and his athleticism. But he had an in in and out move. He ended up blowing the layup pretty badly, actually, (laughs) against Indiana. Um, But he hit it in and out with a little hezzy and then blew by the defender so fast that I think he caught himself off guard. (laughs) <laughs> and he's had these layup opportunities where he has just floated at the rim and hung up there and had these unbelievable finishes that have quite literally just made me go, I I, I can't re- – uh, you know who else you- – this was Batum. Mm. And so I hope it's like well, l- Clyde used to do that too. Well, I
0: I didn't want to go that, I didn't <laughs> want to go that far. I mean, let's 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 yeah. aim high, right? Listen, I don't want to go
1: that far. You know me. I don't, don't want to go Aim high. Listen, I don't want to go that far with it like but he, but he If
0: anybody could slow down time. is that guy? I mean, that's what Clyde did. Yeah. Like he, you know, like you have those dreams where you like fall down, but you never hit the ground and you're like, oh, this is cool. I could just keep floating. Like, that's what watching Clyde was like. Oh, and I, I do see right. a little bit of that in Anthony.
1: And Anthony, when he gets up there, you, you, you don't track it with a stopwatch. You track it with a sundial.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: you're just sitting there like, he's still going up. What's what's Is he coming down? Oh, okay. Um, but he's had some moments and that's where I think his his game is right now is that he has to finish around the rim and he has to be that guy. And he's, he's made some moves and he's hit some shots, which was just really interesting. We'll move on to this is that when it's just a regular part of the game, and shot looks like it's going in, but it comes out. And then when it's come to crunch time, the kid has hit corner threes with guys underneath his feet. He's made kickout passes. The one that he hit to Dame during the golden state game was incredible. The one handed rat pass from under the hoop. That was Fantastic, and so it's these it's these little things that I'm trying to find now. Um, I'm sitting here waiting for that shot to come back around.
0: Yeah, he just has to weather the storm and not get discouraged. And I, you know, he'll be fine. But I think there was a lot of hype about him, so there were a lot of expectations. Maybe even other teams heard it, and so they were going to give him a hard time. And uh, yeah, I just don't want him to get discouraged. I hope he I hope he won't. Because, yeah, all that stuff is super fun to watch. But right now, I'm just loving Gary Trent Jr.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and I, I, like I said, I, I hope Gary has a long-term home in the I think he's going to have a long-term home in the UK yeah. But I would love to see him develop here in Portland. I think he's a, he's a guy who could be a fantastic bench guy for his career. Mm -hmm. And I'm not not trying to sell him short. I think he could be a very, very good bench player. And if Portland's going to be a successful team, they need to have guys like him as they progress throughout their career.
0: Okay, let's go with some questions. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gone a pretty long time, so we'll try to get through these pretty quickly. Um, But this first one comes from Christian, I think at ill krill and the question is what if white side is not traded how will the blazers get better around dame for the coming years they don't
1: <laughs> um yeah i mean i think it's, it's, it's the reality the, the, the blazers have two steps
0: they'll figure uh, out something but it but it, but it won't be, be better
1: B. yeah it won't be better um if, if it is better the the blazers stumbled into found money uh the the, the only options they have as far as Real assets, as far as team improvement, are Son Whiteside, CJ McCollum, Anthony Simon, Zach Collins. And if they miss with Son Whiteside, um, I don't. I wouldn't want to be in. I would want to be a fly on the wall, but I wouldn't want Nobody to be in be that in room. There.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. uh, I'm. I'm just preparing myself for Whiteside being with the team for the rest of the season, just because it's so hard out there. I just I just don't know if the Blazers are going to be able to come up with something that would do what they're saying, making them for the Pray that a team like
1: Boston has said, you know what, Gordon Hayward is surplus to what we want.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I do believe that Whiteside has been playing really well. And he's shown that if you have a specific role for him and you have somebody who can help him stay within himself – you can get production out of him.
1: Yeah, it's not like Kyrie's in Boston anymore, so you you don't have to worry too much.
0: <laughs> can you imagine that? Oh, Oof, good that lord, that would be rough.
1: But right, 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 right now, like Whiteside playing like this is does help him uh, both as a free agent and as a trade asset. Um, the other part of it is it only takes one. It only takes one GM or one owner to buy into it, to believe it, to want it, to make a deal happen. So that, that's – if you're the Blazers, that's what you're hoping for.
0: Well, it takes two because the <laughs> – the Bla- I mean because what if it's, you know, it's – OK, we uh, we are interested in Whiteside, but who we really want is Anthony Simons. Yeah, that's, that's so not going to work. That's where it takes two. <laughs> I mean that's what I'm saying. It, it, it doesn't take just one. It, it takes two. And I just – I think what we think is going to happen to make that actually happen is a lot harder than it sounds. All right, so the next one is from Stan Williams. That's at Williams Stan fourteen, and uh, Stan says, "How do you think Whiteside handles it if he doesn't get traded and Nurk starts taking over his spot little by little, late game situations, etc.? Clearly, Nurk is a better all-around player, especially with this team. He is also beloved by his teammates, and his influence is missed. I mean, he's got to take it. Well, <laughs> and I think he knew what the situation was coming in this year. Yeah, like yeah, I, and- I feel like." He's prepped for this, and there's been plenty – like back when Tolliver was playing for the Blazers, there were plenty of games where Tolliver finished out as yeah. the as the center. And if there's any
1: indication, um, we weren't supposed to know that Nurkic was practicing last week. Oh, that, really? That wasn't a thing. Hmm. um that was not ready to come out for everybody yet
0: because then there was a follow-up report that he's definitely (laughs) not coming out until after
1: well i mean let me let me go ahead and do the math for everybody there um dame and the guys are having a rough time and their their guy their talisman their you know their their bellwether guy is on the court going five on five full speed
0: yeah and they come out (laughs) and say
1: it do you want to keep it quiet <laughs> no, because you could see the look on everybody's Why face. Why do you have that well,
0: giant grin? Yeah,
1: everybody's. Oh, everybody's, nothing. <laughs> and he he had been going for a couple couple days. Oh, so, okay. Um, I I think this is the first time that all of them have been able to get a practice in together. Okay. Because of they were literally they hadn't practiced since uh, Christmas.
0: Uh huh.
1: After Christmas, because they played literally every, every other t-
0: every other day. Because that's how the new NBA is
1: going. <laughs> because <laughs> of that insanity, um, but. I I think that's had an impact on this team Mm -hmm. as far as their mindset and their attitude, because he like from that moment, they have been playing with a, with a different kind of energy.
0: You're right. I hadn't realized that that's when it goes back to, but yeah, that's the last couple of weeks. Well, and also again, having practice and actually having rest
1: probably helps as well. (laughs) But I I think about having Nurk legitimately ready to come back here pretty soon is pretty pertinent. And for those of the people who were questioning Gunderson's uh, article about uh, from LeBron wire, I mean, go ahead and just go ahead and just stomp that out. Um, I'm going to kind of do the math for folks here. Clutch Sports
0: He's the source represents that
1: you Yusuf Nurkic. LeBron Wire. LeBron is run by Clutch Sports. Do the math. It's not hard, guys. Um, if Gunderson's writing it, it's about a Clutch Sports guy. It's about as good as gold. Uh, um, but yeah, Nurk is not going to be back until the All-Star break, and I'm going to keep saying it because this is what I firmly believe from what I've talked to, and um, I think Nurk is back February 21st. So that'll be fun. Tickets,
0: yeah. So, and,
1: <laughs> and, and by the way, that's Zion's game.
0: So it's, it's going to
1: be insanity.
0: Oh. Uh, but yeah, I think that I think Whiteside knows what the score is. He's known it all year going in and like, how awesome would it be if, you know, Nurk fits in, he's playing well. And then Whiteside continues to play as well as he's playing now off the bench. How much fun can he have just like destroying other people's benches I mean, I know that it's not the same, but I think he could have. I think he could still have a good time.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. It would be a lot like what we saw with Nurkic and Kanter in that sense, um, for that you know short for time that, period.
0: How many games did, did that happen? It wasn't very many, was it? Four games,
1: yeah. But mm-hmm. you had. But I think that's kind of the idea. But I don't want to think about that because that's worst case scenario for you know team building stuff. But I, I think Whiteside's a smart enough guy to. to kind of see the writing on that wall. And remember if you read quick's piece the other day between the, you know, the bond between Damon that there's a little bit of joking, but there's was seriousness in, in there where Nurk said, he's you know going to go to the press. If you don't confirm that I'm not getting traded, you know, oh, yeah. like you gotta remember, like when we talk about Terry Stotts wanting that, that whole idea of like not being able to like do load management because he's so concerned with winning every single game. Yusuf Nurkic is probably worried about falling to the wayside from another big band because of his experience in Denver. No matter how much you assure him of it, uh-huh. there's, there's still that, that wound, right? Uh-huh. And so um, the Blazers <laughs> did everything, everything they needed to do to reassure Yusuf Nurkic and his camp that he is not losing his spot to injury.
0: Well, I think we, as fans, might lose our minds if he was to be traded. Anyway, well, yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't think that. I don't think the sorry. Rose Garden or the Moda Center would be safe <laughs> under those circumstances. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. We have another one from Paul Williams. This is how I find out you're going on other podcasts. <laughs> uh, volcom pancake says I'd ask you but I'd rather ask you on our podcast and instead talk to you soon so I guess Dan's gonna go be talking to somebody else
1: I do have I do have another here' in a little little less than two hours but yeah i i I, I am uh I'm always open for anybody who asks. So, Will
0: you see if you can work in, this is what happens when a python swallows a porcupine into I, that conversation for him? I try to do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last question. This is from Corey, uh, C underscore Blake 05. If Dame were to hypothetically approach 81 points at Staples in a few nights, would you expect him to stop short of 81 or would he try to pass Kobe? Of course, assuming the game is out of hand. He'd try to pass him. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's that's how you that's how you do
1: that record justice.
0: That's how you do right by Kobe. Yeah, you
1: you you don't you don't stop short. You you press on. You persevere. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's the way you do it.
0: I think so. Uh, oh, I don't know. Watching Damien score sixty one was so exciting. I can't even. I, I don't even imagine. Can't even imagine what it would would have been like to watch uh, Kobe score eighty one points. That's just. I don't even know. <laughs> what what does the game even look like? That's just wild.
1: Uh, I I mean, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, especially if it's Damien, yeah. Damien could score 100 points. Maybe he could break that record. That would be amazing. All right, Dan. Well, that was a lot to get through. Uh, a lot of heavy stuff going on this week. And um, I think as – I think players are going to st- – start feeling maybe some delayed effects. The grief is going to run through the NBA for a while. I think it's going to take a while before. I mean, I was actually also taken back to when um, Jerome Kersey died and how just that staggered everybody, how we were all just gutted and just, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, he was a, a trailblazer and he meant so much to the trailblazers. And now just like Kobe meant, So much to the entire league that it's going to take – it's going to take some time for people to process all that. So – Thanks for sharing your stories um, with how that went for you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go ahead and take us out of here, or get out of here. Um, I'll say, don't forget to follow the Blazers Edge uh, podcast um, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also follow Blazers Edge on Twitter at Blazers Edge. You can find me on Twitter at TCB Biggs. You can follow find the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Tots. We come out every Thursday or Friday. It'll probably be Friday this week since we're coming out a day late this week as well. Got a, a uh, cool guest coming up for the next episode. That's Ooh. how you can find me. You go ahead and take us out of here, Dan. All right,
1: folks. I'm going to be a little more ranty than usual uh, as this podcast has kind of been on that. But um, with kind of the idea of, of, of losing uh, obviously Kobe Bryant and for me personally having to put my dog down on, on Saturday, um, the thing that kind of came to my mind uh, over the last couple of days has been cherishing time and, and creating moments. And with that, March 17th is Blazers Edge Night, and you have an opportunity to send a kid to a game that could give him a moment that quite literally carries with him the way that Kobe Bryant did with a lot of people in this world, or the way that my dog did with me for 16 years. And for 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you can spare, whatever you can give, go to BlazersEdge.com, click damn near any of the articles or the one that says for Blazers Edge Night – and follow the instructions and, and donate a ticket if you can, donate a hundred if you can, whatever you can um, to send a, a, a kid or a group of kids who wouldn't otherwise have the chance to make those memories um, to a Blazers game. So, uh, with that, you can find me on social media at Danny Morang, at D A N N Y M A R A N G. You can find me on every post game show on NBC Sports Northwest with Joe Simons and myself. Uh, on channel 737 on blazers outsiders other than that for tara i'm danny we'll catch you guys next week bye